0: Section eight of the crime of silvestre Bonard by Anatole France. This librivox recording is in the public domain, Naples, November tenth, eighteen fifty-nine. Cota viva magna e lava afaccia. I understand, my friend, for three centimes I can eat, drink, and wash my face all by means of one of those slices of watermelon you display there on a little table but occidental prejudices would prevent me from enjoying that simple pleasure freely and frankly and how could i suck a watermelon i have enough to do merely to keep on my feet in this crowd what a luminous noisy night in the Strada di porto mountains of fruit tower up in the shops illuminated by multi-coloured lanterns upon charcoal furnaces lighted in the open air water boils and steams and ragouts are singing in frying-pans the smell of fried fish and hot meats tickles my nose and makes me sneeze at this moment i find that my handkerchief has left the pocket of my frock-coat i am pushed lifted up and turned about in every direction by the gayest the most talkative the most animated and the most adroit populace possible to imagine and suddenly a young woman of the people while i am admiring her magnificent hair with a single shock of her powerful elastic shoulder pushes me staggering three paces back at least without injury into the arms of a macaroni eater who receives me with a smile i am in naples how i ever managed to arrive here with a few mutilated and shapeless remains of baggage i cannot tell because i am no longer myself i have been travelling in a condition of perpetual fright and i think that i must have looked a while ago in this bright city like an owl bewildered by sunshine to-night it is much worse wishing to obtain a glimpse of popular manners i went to the Strada di porto where i now am all about me animated throngs of people crowd and press before the eating places and i float like a waif among these living surges which even while they submerge you still caress for this neapolitan people has in its very vivacity something indescribably gentle and polite i'm not roughly jostled i'm merely swayed about and i think that by dint of thus rocking me to and fro these good folks want to lull me asleep on my feet i admire as i tread the lava pavements of the strata those porters and fishermen who move by me chatting singing smoking gesticulating quarrelling and embracing each other the next moment with astonishing versatility of mood they live through all their sense at the same time and being philosophers without knowing it keep the measure of their desires in accordance with the brevity of life i approach a much patronized tavern and see inscribed above the entrance this quatrain in neapolitan patois Amache Magnamo e Brevimo, ne fanda che ne ce stac noglio a la Lucarna, chi sa la lotra mono neca verdimo, chi sa sa lotra mano a ne che taverna. Friends, let us merrily eat and drink as long as oil remains in the lamp. Who knows if we shall meet again in another world? who knows if in the other world there will be a tavern even such counsels was horace wont to give to his friends you received them posthumous you heard them also Lucano, perverse beauty who wished to know the secrets of the future that future is now the past and we know it well of a truth you were foolish to worry yourselves about so small a matter and your friend showed his good sense when he told you to take life wisely and to filter your greek wines Sapius vena liquis even thus the sight of a fair land under a spotless sky urges to the pursuit of quiet pleasures but there are souls forever harassed by some sublime discontent those are the noblest you were of such lucono and i visiting for the first time in my declining years that city where your beauty was famed of old i salute with deep respect your melancholy memory those souls of kin to your own who appeared in the age of christianity were souls of saints and the golden legend is full of the miracles they wrought your friend horace left a less noble posterity and i see one of his descendants in the person of that tavern poet who at this moment is serving out wine and cups under the epicurean motto of his sign and yet life decides in favour of friend flaccus and his philosophy is the only one which adapts itself to the course of events there is a fellow leaning against that trellis-work covered with vine-leaves and eating an ice while watching the stars he would not stoop even to pick up the old manuscript i am going to seek with so much trouble and fatigue and in the truth man is made rather to eat ices than to pore over old texts i continued to wander about among the drinkers and the singers there were lovers biting into beautiful fruit each with an arm about the other's waist men must be naturally bad for all this strange joy only evoked in me a feeling of uttermost despondency that thronging populace displayed such artless delight in the simple act of living that all the shynesses begotten by my old habits as an author awoke and intensified into something like fright furthermore i found myself much discouraged by my inability to understand a word of all the storm of chatter about me it was a humiliating experience for a philologist thus i had begun to feel quite sulky when i was startled to hear some one behind me observe dmitri that old man is certainly a frenchman he looks so bewildered and i really feel sorry for him shall i speak to him he has such a goo-natured look with that round back of his do you not think so dmitri it was said in french by a woman's voice for the moment it was disagreeable to hear myself spoken of as an old man is a man old at sixty-two only the other day on the pont des arts my colleague perrot Avrignac complimented me on my youthful appearance and i should think him a better authority about one's age than that young chatterbox who has taken it on herself to make remarks about my back my back is round she says ah ah i have some suspicion myself to that effect but i am not going now to believe it at all since it is the opinion of a giddy-headed young woman certainly i will not turn my head around to see who it was that spoke but i am sure it was a pretty woman why because she talks like a capricious person and like a spoiled child ugly women may be naturally quite as capricious as pretty ones but as they are never petted and spoiled and as no allowances are made for them they soon find themselves obliged either to suppress their whims or to hide them on the other hand the pretty women can be just as fantastical as they please my neighbour is evidently one of the latter but after all coming to think it over she really did nothing worse than to express in her own way a kindly thought about me for which i ought to feel grateful these reflections include the last and decisive one passed through my mind in less than a second and if i have taken a whole minute to tell them it is characteristic of most philologists in less than a second therefore after the voice had ceased i did turn round and saw a pretty little woman a sprightly brunette madame i said with a bow excuse my involuntary indiscretion i could not help overhearing what you have just said you would like to be of service to a poor old man and the wish madame has already been fulfilled the mere sound of a french voice has given me such pleasure that i must thank you i bowed again and turned to go away but my foot slipped upon a melon rind and i should certainly have embraced the Parthenopean soil had not the young lady put out her hand and caught me there is a foyer since circumstances even of the very smallest circumstances against which resistance is vain i resigned myself to remain the protege of the fair unknown it is late she said do you not wish to go back to your hotel which must be quite close to ours unless it be the same one madame i replied i do not know what time it is because somebody has stolen my watch but i think as you say that it must be time to retire and i shall be very glad to regain my hotel in the company of such courteous compatriots so saying i bowed once more to the young lady and also saluted her companion a silent colossus with a gentle and melancholy face after having gone a little way with them i learned among other matters that my new acquaintances were the prince and princess and that they were making a trip round the world for the purpose of finding match-boxes of which they were making a collection we proceeded along a narrow tortuous lighted only by a single lamp burning in the niche of a madonna the purity and transparency of the air gave a celestial softness and clearness to the very darkness itself and one could find one's way without difficulty under such a limpid night but in a little while we began to pass through a venalia or in neapolitan parlance a sotto portico which led under so many archways and so many far projecting balconies that no gleam of light from the sky could reach us my young guide had made us take this route as a short cut she assured us but i think she did so quite as much simply in order to show that she felt at home in naples and knew the city thoroughly indeed she needed to know it very thoroughly to venture by night into the labyrinth of subterranean alleys and flights of steps if ever any many showed absolute docility in allowing himself to be guided that man was myself dante never followed the steps of beatrice with more confidence than i felt in following those of princess Trapal the lady appeared to find some pleasure in my conversation for she invited me to take a carriage-drive with her on the morrow to visit the grotto of pasalippo and the tomb of virgil she declared she had seen me somewhere before but she could not remember if it had been a Stockholm or a canton in the former event i was a very celebrated professor of geology in the latter a provision merchant whose courtesy and kindness had been much appreciated one thing certain was that she had seen my back somewhere before excuse me she added we are continually travelling my husband and i to collect match-boxes and to change our ennui by changing country perhaps it would be more reasonable to content ourselves with a single variety of ennui but we have made all our preparations and arrangements for travelling all our plans have been laid out in advance and it gives us no trouble whereas it would be very troublesome for us to stop anywhere in particular i tell you all this so that you may not be surprised if my recollections have become a little mixed up but from the moment i first saw you at a distance this evening i felt in fact i knew that i had seen you before now the question is where was it that i saw you you are not then either the geologist or the provision merchant no madam i replied i am neither the one nor the other and i am sorry for it since you have had reason to esteem them there is really nothing about me worthy of your interest i have spent all my life poring over books and i have never travelled you might have known that from my bewilderment which excited your compassion i am a member of the institute you are a member of the institute how nice will you not write something for me in my album do you know chinese i would like so much to have you write something in chinese or persian in my album i will introduce you to my friend miss ferguson who travels everywhere to see all the famous people in the world she will be delighted dmitri did you hear that this gentleman is a member of the institute and he has passed all his life over books the prince nodded approval monsieur i said trying to engage him in our conversation it is true that something can be learned from books but a great deal more can be learned by travelling and i regret that i have not been able to go round the world like you i've lived in the same house for thirty years and i scarcely ever go out lived in the same house for thirty years cried madame Tripot. is it possible yes madame i answered but you must know the house is situated on the bank of the seine and in the very handsomest and most famous part of the world from my window i can see the tuileries and the louvre the pont neuf the towers of notre dame the turrets of the palais de justice and the spire of the sainte-chapelle all those stones speak to me they tell me stories about the days of st louis of the valois of henri quatre and of louis i understand them and i love them all it is only a very small corner of the world but honestly madame where is there a more glorious spot at this moment we found ourselves upon a public square a largo steeped in the soft glow of the night madame tripoff looked at me in an uneasy manner her lifted eyebrows almost touched the black curls about her forehead where do you live then she demanded brusquely on the qui Malaquais, madame and my name is bonard it is not a name very widely known but i am contented if my friends do not forget it this revelation unimportant as it was produced an extraordinary effect upon madame trepoff she immediately turned her back upon me and caught her husband's arm come dmitri she exclaimed do walk a little faster i am horribly tired and you will not hurry yourself in the least we shall never get home as for you monsieur your way lies over there she made a vague gesture in the direction of some dark vicolo, pushed her husband the opposite way and called to me without even turning her head adieu monsieur we shall not go to posilipo to-morrow nor the day after either i have a frightful headache dmitri you are unendurable will you not walk faster i remained for the moment stupefied vainly trying to think what i could have done to offend madame chapoff but i had also lost my way and seemed doomed to wander about all night in order to ask my way i would have to see somebody and it did not seem likely that i should find a single human being who could understand me in my despair i entered a street at random a street or rather a horrible alley that had the look of a murderous place it proved so in fact for i had not been two minutes in it before i saw two men fighting with knives they were attacking each other more fiercely with their tongues than with their weapons and i concluded from the nature of the abuse they were showering upon each other that it was a love affair i prudently made my way into a side alley while those two good fellows were still much too busy with their own affairs to think about mine i wandered hopelessly about for a while and at last sat down completely discouraged on a stone bench inwardly cursing the strange caprices of madame how are you signor are you back from san carlo did you hear the diva sing it is only at naples you can hear singing like hers i looked up and recognised my host i had seated myself with my back to the facade of my hotel under the window of my own room end of section eight